Bible says this. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. No nation on earth looks more like the kingdom of God than the United States of America. There's, there's someone in the United States from every nation on the earth living here. And we are so excited about what God is doing because we're all called to be here. And the devil would like to bring division and separate us, but God's called us to function as one body. And you know, this, this month, February, is Black History Month, and I just want to honor and celebrate um, all of our black folks that attend here, and I thank God for you, and I know God's plan and purpose for your life is amazing, and I stand with you and just honor you and love you and thank you for choosing Destiny Church as your home, and we love you and we thank you. You know, the enemy would love to divide us, but we, uh, we can never, ever, um, like, I want you to see the diversity that God has given this house, and it's amazing. Amen. Amen. We're in the third week of a, um, a series that the Lord has put in my heart that's uh, it's calling, talking about our calling. And uh, I didn't get a chance to preach it last Sunday. The Lord put it on my heart, but I didn't get to preach it because the Holy Spirit moved in such a mighty way. And I want to talk to us about discovering the glorious blessing that is ours when we step into his calling. There's this glorious thing that God does when we begin to step into his calling. It's so easy for each and every one of us to start trying to inspect our lives and go, what's my calling? Like, why does God got me here? Why am I, why am I on the planet? When I just want, I want to release to everybody in the room that we have his calling. We have his calling. Here's, here's the definition of calling. And if you have your phone, you could pull out your phone, maybe take a picture of it. All the, the sermon notes will be on the app. You can get the app, download the app, and put it on there. But if you just would, if you just kind of, we found out a few weeks ago that all, most of the people in heaven took notes. So if you're not taking notes, I don't know. Here's the definition of calling. God's calling is God's invitation for me to live his plan for my life. If you're wondering what your calling is, you want to know what, what God's assignment is, here it is. God's calling is God's invitation for me to live his plan for my life. And it's unique to you. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to fit in my little box. But each and every one of us need to realize it's his calling. It's his purpose for our lives. And Jesus gives us a picture of what that calling looks like in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. In Luke chapter 4, 18, if you want to flip there in your Bibles, open it up on your phone and, and read together with me. I'll read it out of a new King James Bible, but whatever translation you have, if you could just go there and read it with me. Luke 4, 18. The Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me. To heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. These are the six points from Isaiah's message that Jesus grabbed when he went into the temple and he grabbed the scrolls and he read this. He read this and he declared it over his life. That this was his purpose, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, that he was going to preach the gospel to the poor, he was going to heal the brokenhearted, he was going to proclaim liberty to the captives, and he was going to recover the sight back to the blind. He was going to set at liberty those that were oppressed. These six things were the air mark of his ministry on earth. 
When he went to John, he said, I must need to be baptized. And John baptized him. The heavens opened. The Spirit of God descended upon him and came upon him. That same Spirit is here to come upon you. It's here to fill your lives, to anoint you, to accomplish the same things that Jesus accomplished. Would you agree that the ultimate goal of Christianity is to look like Jesus? Christianity is, is not, I'm not a Muslim, I'm a Christian. There's a religious belief that, yes, I'm not Muslim, I'm Christian, and I'm not Buddhist, I'm Christian. But let me just tell you, it's so much more than just a title that is put upon us. We've been called to look like him. And what I mean to look like Jesus isn't to grow our hair long. I would struggle with that. I'm trying to hold what I got. I can't get it to go any longer. But it's not to get long hair and to put a robe on and have sandals on. That's not what he's talking about when he says to look like Jesus. What he's talking about and what he's saying, the Spirit of the Lord is to come upon us and we are to look like Jesus and act like Jesus in the big things and the small things of our lives. See, when Jesus came to the earth, he had this assignment. He came to bless the people. How do you bless a poor man? How do you bless somebody that's addicted? How do you bless somebody that's broken? You get them free. And Jesus came to bless the people. When you and I, if we could just realize our assignment, our calling is to bless the people. It's to help them get free. The reason, listen, there's so many people that know this and we believe this, but there's so few of us that are progressing at the pace that we want to. It's like we know this is God's call for our lives. We know it's his plan for our lives. But man, we're just not progressing fast enough and it doesn't seem like it's unfolding for us. And I'm here to tell you, the reason is we're not accepting that call, the call of Jesus Christ. Spiritual maturity is a life that consistently exhibits the calling and the character of Jesus Christ. This is how you know if you're growing in your faith. Are you, are, are you allowing this to be, be the, the center point of your life? It's what I want for my life. It's what I want for you. It's what I want for each and every person in this room. I want you to realize that we are here for his calling. My prayer in this series is that God would open your hearts to understand the hope that was given to you when God called you. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. That word calling there, it, it's the Greek word, it, it, it's klesis, K-L-E-S-I-S, and it means it's God's invitation. It's God calling. He said, I'm giving you an invitation. He's, a, he, he's initiating a call to every person on the planet that the eyes of your understanding be enlightening, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. Listen, we are called to the same six things that Jesus was called to. The Spirit of the Lord is to come upon us. We're to preach the gospel to the poor. We're to heal the brokenhearted. We are to set at liberty those that are captives. We're to give sight back to the blind. We're to set at liberty those that are oppressed. And when you and I understand this, and every day we look at our lives and say, this should be happening in every believer's life. This is not a Sunday morning event. 
This is not a Sunday night event. This is the way we're to conduct our lives every day, looking for an opportunity to pour God's love over someone that's hurting, someone that needs a breakthrough. These six things are unique to you. But here are seven things you need to know about your calling in your life. This calling that I want everybody to embrace and grab. The first thing that you need to realize is your calling is a gift from God. Everybody say, my calling is a gift from God. It's a grace gift. It's so, it, listen, it's something that, it, that God has planned for your life. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't go to college for it. You didn't work your way into it. Listen, careers are built and vocations are crafted. Education is gathered up and then you go to college and then you intern and you build up status. You build your career. Employment is something that you developed, but a calling is a gift from God. This is something that God puts over every child, every person that he brings on this planet. He anoints them with a calling from heaven. Your calling is not necessarily your career. It's based on grace. Now, they could meet up. God can use what you do as a vocation to fulfill your life's ministry. A career makes a living, but a calling makes a life. Man, that's good. You should write that down. Huh? A career will make a living, but a calling makes a life. When you start understanding that the stage of life that you're in right now, be it retired, be it elderly, be it young, in school, in high school, whatever it is, if you can embrace that mindset that my calling will make a life for me. When I operate in my calling, when I operate in these six things, many times we're bivocational in career. Huh? You may make a living and, and that's a good thing, but God doesn't want you just to have a career or a vocation. God doesn't want you just kind of on this planet, making some money, paying your bills, save a little bit of money, and then spending some money, and, just, and now you're 60, 70, 80, some even 90 years old, and all of a sudden you just leave the planet and die. That's it. No, that's not it. There's more to this than that. There's more to this life than that. There's more than to releasing the glory on the earth and carrying his mantle and realizing that everywhere you go, you have an assignment to set at liberty the captive. I believe God wants to let your vocation serve your calling. God wants your career to serve your calling. He wants you to move from career into calling and let your vocation serve the greater things that God wants you to do. Here, here's the truth. Your job doesn't define your calling. Your calling defines your job. And when you get this, when you embrace this, it doesn't matter where you're at, stay-at-home mom, business owner, it doesn't matter you're retired, it doesn't matter what it is, you have this calling that impacts everything around you, that everywhere you go, whether, it's, whether you're one of the old guys that goes to McDonald's and drinks coffee every morning, you're there on assignment, you're there to have a cup of coffee and meet some friends, but you're watching who's walking through those doors, who's coming into that room, because you have an assignment to God to set at liberty those that are bound, to bring God's freedom into the world to set the captive free. I'm a pastor and now my vocation and my occupation have joined up and that's a great thing. I've always heard it said, man, if you can find something you love to do and make a living at it, that that's great. And that's wonderful. And that happens in a lot of times. That happens a lot of times. And I hope that happens for you. But let me just tell you, throughout my life, I found myself doing jobs that I knew I had no future in. 
I found myself working for people or working in environments that I knew did not have any purpose. And I was so frustrated thinking, I got to find what, what, what brings me life and brings me purpose. But when everything shifted for me was when I realized my calling, my assignment was to take that calling into whatever environment I'm in and use that to impact the kingdom of God for, for his glory. Man, it changes everything. Now, if your boss is here, don't raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you this question. Is there any of you at a job right now where you know it's a dead end? You're not called to be there forever. That's not what you love to do. You're just doing it. Can anybody say amen? Your boss ain't here. You can do that. I'm just telling you, but let me, let me just tell you something. But when you fulfill calling, when you understand, I may be here right now, and it's not where I'm going to end up, but while I am here, I'm going to let my calling impact this place. I'm going to let the calling of Jesus Christ guide my life, and then you won't be frustrated anymore. That's good news. I struggled until I realized my, my job didn't define my calling. My calling defined my job. God's called us by his grace, his undeserved kindness, and it's supernatural. That your calling doesn't change with your vocation. It doesn't change with your career. You should take this, you, you should grab this word for your life. It's not according to how hard I work or how righteous I am. It's a gift. And what do you do with a gift? You embrace it. You embrace it. Galatians 1.6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you uh, in grace, in the grace of Christ, to a different gospel. We are called for his purposes, not ours. Man, this is a good truth. The Amplified says it this, like this. I am astonished and so extremely, extremely irritated that you are so quick, quickly shifting your allegiance and deserting him who called you by uh, the grace of Christ for a different, even contrary gospel. Here's the, here, here it is. God initiates the call. We respond, and then our purpose is discovered. God initiates the call, we respond, then our purpose is discovered. Not because we've done anything, because of his own purposes, because of grace. Our calling is by God's grace and, and, and is not defined by my own righteousness. Say, that, say it with me again. My calling is a gift from God. 2 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. It's a holy calling. It should affect your holiness. That calling of God should affect the way you're living your life. It's a holy calling, not according to works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time. He saved us and he called us into a holy life. That's what salvation looks like. God initiates the call, we respond, and then purpose is revealed. Number two, I am called for God's purposes and not my own. This is big for everybody in here, man. Because it's, it's so easy to, to think that you're the center of your world. It's so easy to get so self-consumed with your direction and your future and your plans and what you want God to do. And all this. It's like, man, he, he didn't come so that he could fulfill your agenda. That, that's, a, that's a modern Western Christianity concept to bring Jesus into your life so that he can make you a better life. That is not what this gospel is about. So that he, we could bring Jesus and he could get me free from my addiction. 
That's not, that's not the heart of this at all, that God can come in, he can fix my marriage, and he can do all these things. If I can bring Jesus in, he's going to make it better. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you want to follow me? you got to deny yourself. You have to die. Let me become the center of everything. And now I am the center, not you. Jesus wants to be the center of our lives. That's in Matthew 10, 38. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You've got to get out of the center of your life and let God be the center. We're called for his purposes. You have to make that personal. I am called for his purpose. You are called for his purpose. He's not here to help you fulfill your dreams. Huh? Well, if I could get Jesus in my life, he'll fulfill all my dreams. No, he wants, to, he wants to give you his dreams. He wants to deposit his dream in you so that you walk out his plan for your life. This is Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Workmanship is that which has been made. Workmanship is the Greek word poema. It's where we get the English word poem. It means that we are a work of art, a masterpiece. If you could understand, you are a perfect masterpiece. You were created in his image and in his likeness. You're, you're, you are a, you, you're a piece of work. You're, you're God's master. You're not a piece of work. I started to say you're a piece of work, but I'm like, you ain't a piece of work. You're a masterpiece. Some of you are like, oh, I am a piece of work. No, you're, you're a masterpiece. When you receive salvation, grace begins to work in your life to create God's purposes in your life. Number three, God chose my calling before I was born. Everybody say it. God chose my calling before I was born. This is in Galatians 1 and verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's room and called me through his grace. The New Living Translation says this. It pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. We know Jeremiah 1.5 when he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you to be a prophet. He was telling Jeremiah, this all happened way before you got here. I already had a plan. I already, in heaven, I formed you, fashioned you, and I put you in your mother's belly. Isaiah 44.2, thus says the Lord who made you and formed you in the womb, who will help you. He's saying, I'm your creator and, and I'm in... I, you were in my care before you were born. This is one reason, just one reason that abortion is so wrong. That's not a fetus in the belly. Alyssa, how many months are you? Three months. Stand up with me. In this, in this belly is a three-month-old baby. It's not a fetus. It's a baby that God made a masterpiece. There is a little masterpiece in there growing and maturing. And before it ever comes through that, through that channel, before it's ever born, God says, I've already got a plan for that baby. I've already got a plan for that life. I already know the plans that I have for them. And that baby will fulfill that plan. It is a masterpiece. Listen to me. You may, you got to get this. And hers wasn't. But there are some unplanned pregnancies. But there are no unplanned children. You, you know that? 
There's some illegitimate parents, but there are no, there are no illegitimate kids. You are no accident. I don't care what somebody told you. I don't care what you heard down the line that you were a mistake. No, 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 no. You were not a mistake. God had a plan for your life. He's got purpose for your life. And when you step into that calling, the power of God will come upon your life, and you'll begin to see the hand of God move. Amen. God wants you to know you were created as a masterpiece. I believe God's looking at you and saying, you wait. You wait till I show you. You wait till I get all this mess off of you. When I get all these lies out of your head, when I can just rip all that out of you and I can show you, I created you to be perfect. I created you in my image and my likeness. And what others have done to you cannot stop what I'm going to do through you. Amen. What the enemy meant for evil, God says, you watch me turn it for good. God design, God's design goes beyond your failures. God's design goes beyond the failures of men and women. Psalm 139, verse 16, your eyes saw my substance yet being unformed, and in your book they are written. All the days fashioned for me when there was yet none of them. Is that true or just words on a page? It's true. God has a plan for your life. He knows everything about your life. He refuses to override your free will, but that doesn't change it. God says God, God chooses to write the end of your story, and he wrote a good ending. Come on. He wrote an ending where we give him glory. That's mercy, and that's how it works. He wrote your story with a great ending. He wrote my story with a great ending. Romans 8, 28, we know all things work together for good, but Romans 8, 29 says, for, he, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined and to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, when he... Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. What's he saying? Man, you might not be where you're going to be. You might not look like what you're going to look like. But I'm telling you, he's already wrote your story. He's got a great plan for your life. And he's going to unveil his love over your heart. You might be on drugs right now. You might be on alcohol. You might be addicted to alcohol. You may be addicted to pornography. It doesn't matter. I'm here to tell you, God knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper your life and to give you a hope and a future. Some of you are so self-centered and egotistical. You're just an idiot. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you the truth. God says, you know what? That's what they are now, but that's not who they're going to be. That's not who I created them to be. And they're going to find it. They're going to discover it. And all of a sudden, they're not going to be the center of their life anymore. I'm going to be the center of their life, and I'm going to prosper them. Number four, my sins and mistakes don't change my call. Say it. My sins and my mistakes don't change my call. Your sins can't change your call. Sins hurt. When you live in sin, it hurts. Sin delays. Sin hurts others, but it doesn't change the call. Listen, there is a call on your life that dumb decisions and wasted time will not change. I know me, and I know I made some dumb decisions in my life, but that didn't change the calling on my life. There's a call on your life that other people messing you up can't change. Is there anybody else in here that's been messed up by somebody else? 
You didn't do anything. They just messed you up, and now you're carrying all kinds of guilt and shame and lies in your head, and I'm here to tell you what others have done to you doesn't change God's call. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. God's, God is so merciful towards us. God looks past our circumstances and he says they're called by my name. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Man looks at our track record, but God looks at our heart. God sees something in you that others cannot see. God's calling is greater than your failures. Others may write you off, but God's wrote you in. Come on. Number five, say it with me. My calling is permanent. It's good. My calling is permanent. Romans eleven twenty nine. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. What God has for you is still in play. What God put in you is still in play. Age doesn't matter. Time doesn't matter. Past doesn't matter. Failures don't matter. What God look, is looking for is repentance and obedience. Repentance and obedience. You may have wasted decades of your life, but I'm telling you, he's still waiting on you. It's a permanent call. As long as you keep coming back, you win. As long as you're willing to get in his presence and repent of your sin, you still are in the game. God's intentions for your life are permanent. Number six, got a couple more. God, God empowers me to accomplish what he calls me to do. Say it with me. God empowers me to accomplish what he calls me to do. It is not uncommon to feel overwhelmed with his calling. And God will never call you to an assignment in life that he will not equip you for. I felt underqualified. The day that I realized my calling, I felt underqualified. I can't do this. How, how, my past, what, what am I, I, I just don't feel like I, I was ever felt like I've been able to do what God's called me to do. But I've never doubted my calling to pastor his church because I know his calling. And I've been operating in that. I feel over my head. I feel overwhelmed at times. But I realize when I step out in faith, that's when he empowers me to do what he's called me to do. And see, here's, here's where some of you are stuck in your mind. You're waiting for God to empower you so that you can do it. And it doesn't work that way. That'd be so easy, wouldn't it, if you, just, if you could just put the cape on and go, I'm Superman, I can do this. It doesn't work that way. It, when you step out in faith and begin to operate in his calling, all of a sudden now the empowerment comes to make your words his words, and you see breakthrough, and you see the fruit of it. You're sitting and waiting on God to do something that he's already done at the cross of Calvary. And he says, now you begin to step out. I'll call. You respond. And as you respond, I'll release the power to accomplish it. God's calling will stretch you. There should be godly fear and a level of intimidation attached to his calling. There should be godly fear and a level of intimidation attached to his calling. Because if you can accomplish your life goals 
with your education, your talent, or your resources, or your ability, or your capacity, it's not God's call. God calls us to walk in faith and not walk according to our own abilities. He'll always call you to get out beyond your faith. Amen? To live in faith. He'll stretch you beyond what you can do so that you, can, so that you always depend on him. Lead a ministry. Teach a small group. Go on a mission trip. Go out and evangelize. Go to the mall. Share with the intention of, I'm going out today to share the gospel. I'm going out today to do ministry. Start a business to fund the kingdom of God. It'll always intimidate you, but there should be this, this humbleness. There should be this meekness to say, you know what? God's going to empower me. Most of you are just way too comfortable. The truth, you love God, you go to church, you're not a bad person, you're not doing bad things, but you're just way too comfortable. You got saved, you checked the box, got saved. Got baptized, check the box. Got baptized in the Holy Spirit, check the box. Went to the marriage class, check the box. Give my tithe, check the box. And it's like, you think that's Christianity. I'm just telling you, those are things that we get to do. Our calling is to, is to take his six points, put those in our lives, and go out there and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Come on. Your, your calling is to win your family to Christ, win your neighborhood to Christ, rescue the hurting, set at liberty the captive. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 11. Therefore we also pray always that you, that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. God will give you the power to accomplish all the good things that he's called you to do. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. Philippians 1, 6. My life verse. He that begun to work in you will complete it. So number six was God empowers us to accomplish what he calls us to. And then our last one is this. Number seven is this. There's a prize for me living out his calling. Come on, say it with me. There's a prize for me living out his calling. Philippians 3.14. I press towards the goal, the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. The call of God is not to make a better you. The calling of God is for a kingdom purpose. Miss Gail, if you could come to the keyboard. 1 Corinthians 2.9. I is, but it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love them. There's a prize. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 12, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Live the kind of life that pleases God, who called you to share in his own kingdom and in his glory. This is not about me trying to get you to do more, guys. If you think it is, you're not hearing the heart of this. This is about me trying to get you to step into what he's already called you to do. Come on. You're his workmanship. You're his work of art. You are his masterpiece. I ask you the question. If everybody just close your eyes for a second, let me just ask you the question. Is the spirit of the Lord upon you? Are you preaching the gospel to the poor? Are you healing the brokenhearted? Are you proclaiming liberty and freedom to the captives? Are you giving sight to the blind? Are you setting the oppressed free? The calling of God has a kingdom purpose. It's all about his kingdom. 
If everybody would stand up on your feet with me, please, and just bow your hearts to the Lord just in prayer right now, praying. It's easy to get distracted, say, okay, where are we going to eat at? Where are we going to go? Start thinking about, i got to try to get out before all the cars. I'm going to try to get there first. It'll clear out pretty fast, guys. Just stop. Stop your mind from wandering right now. The Holy Spirit is here to bring salvation. Operating in your calling starts with salvation until you die and let him come alive in you. Some of you did that years ago and you've gotten so comfortable in it, you need to redo your first works. You need to, you, you need to come back to God. You need to, you need to humble yourself under the hand of God and say, you know what, I've been so consumed with me trying to fulfill what I want to happen that I'm not stopping and letting God give me a download of what he wants to happen through my life. Careers are great. Vocation is great. But your calling has to impact everything that you do in life. Man, it's, 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 this is the simplicity of the gospel. Except a man be born again and cannot see the kingdom of God. Except you are born again you don't go to heaven by being good you don't go to heaven by being a good person there's so many good people in this room if, if, if the person next to you got up and their wallet fell on the ground you'd run them, track them down here's your wallet sir, ma'am you dropped your, you dropped your wallet here's your wallet there's so, the room's full of good people Man, Jesus is knocking at your heart's door and said, hey, you're living your life all about you, and I want you, to, I want you to let me live my life through you. I want you to die to your own desires. You must be born again. It's not optional. You must be born again. So with every eye closed and hearts bowed right now, just, just bow your heart to the Lord. I'm going to ask you the question. If you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Are you totally committed to God's plans and His purpose? Are you surrendered to God? If today at the restaurant the waitress comes over to your table, will she see Jesus at the table? Will she hear Jesus? I don't know. I don't know. If the food's delayed, does it come out when it should? Are you going to be the first one to stand up and say, hey, we've been here 20 minutes. Where are you at? Come on. I'm just saying. Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. <laughs> I'm not prophesying that when you go to the restaurant, your food ain't coming out early. I'm not. I'm just telling you, Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. Amen. So here's what I want you to do. If you're not born again, if it's been a long time since you said, Jesus, have my life, can I just tell you your mom's been praying for you? Can I just tell you that there's people around you that are waiting for you to receive Christ? Right now, in your row, there are people that are praying for you that you would respond to God's love. And I'm going to ask you just on the count of three, if your heart's not where it needs to be with God, man, 
I don't know how much plainer I can make it. God says, give me your life. You're a masterpiece. You don't look like it right now, but you are a masterpiece. On the count of three, if that's you, would you just lift your hands boldly to the Lord and say, God, I trust you. By lifting your hands to the Lord, you're saying, God, I trust you. If you don't trust God with your future, don't lift your hand. But if you just say, you know what, I'm not where I need to be, but I trust you. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand to the Lord and let the Spirit of the Lord minister to you. Just pray, everybody in your row right now, everybody, that person right in front of you, maybe the man, maybe the woman that God's talking to, could be the teenager right beside you, that's man that's being allured by the enemy. And God's putting up a, God's putting up a call to say, come on, here's the invitation. Here's the invitation. One, two, three. Lift your hands right now. Just hold them up where I can see them. Yeah, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Everybody look at me. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? I'm going to ask you, if you felt an unction from God to lift your hand, trust me. There's something supernatural that happens when you walk down an aisle and come and kneel before God. I can't explain it. I can't give you the details of it. I'm just telling you, there's a, when you step out in faith to say, you know what? I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm not here for anybody. I'm only here from him. He asked me to lift my hand and I'm going to step out of my seat and I'm going to come before him and give him my life. That's a bold step of faith. And it takes courage. Let me just tell you something, and look at me. If you can't do it in here, you're never going to do it out there. And the Holy Spirit was dealing with you to lift your hand. Some of you didn't lift it, but you know, you, if you were questioning in your mind, should I lift my hand, should I not lift your hand, it was yes. I'm just telling you. Because you know you get that thing, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm saved, so I don't know, should I lift my hand? If you, if you were questioning in your mind, should I lift my hand? The answer is yes, you should have lifted your hand, and you should do it now. Now I'm going to ask on the, just everybody who lifted your hand to the Lord, don't, you don't have to explain it to anybody, because it's between you and your Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit that is in this room that's dealing with you. I want you right now just to step out of your seat and come stand with me. Come on, everybody that lifted your hand, come stand with me and say, you know what? God dealt with me. God dealt with me. Come on. You can turn to somebody and say, hey, you want to go? I'll go with you. Look, man. Thank you. Thank you. others 
come. You don't got to explain it to anybody. You feel a tug on your heart. You feel the Holy Spirit just drawing you. Just step out of your seat and come right now. Come on. God's here for you. Her 23-year-old son was just killed in a car wreck this week, and she's here to stand with God, to trust God. I love you. God loves you. You came to be with her, but God says, I want to be with you. Any others? Love you, John. Joe, I love you. Just a few more minutes. If you're questioning about your walk and you don't know that you have that peace with God, just come right now. Come on. Come on. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. Come stand with Jesus. Come stand with Jesus. Any others? The Bible says to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ is risen from the dead. And he didn't leave any options. He said, and you shall be saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ is risen from the dead, and you shall be saved. Everybody, if you just lift your hands, all of you that came to the front here, just lift your hand to the Lord. We're going to open our mouths, and we're going to confess Jesus. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sin. I give you my life. I trust you. Come on, everybody say, I trust you. I give you my life. Forgive you all my sin. Come into my life and take over. I trust you. I love you. And I need you. You died for me. I choose to live for you. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Come on. Let's worship the Lord. Just everybody here, lift your hands to the Lord. And we're going to take just a minute and worship the Lord all over the house. Just lift your hands. If you're at home and you prayed that prayer, stand to your feet right now in your living room and lift your hands to God and declare, He is Lord of my life. I give Jesus everything and I trust Him. Come on, let's worship together. My hope is built on nothing else. 